0: Welcome to Matches Podcast, the father-son duo who share how our relationship continues to impact how we lead those in our span of care. The truth is, we all desire to have meaningful impact on the world around us. Some may feel this is far away and others may feel it is at their fingertips.
1: Our hope is to share everyday stories that will inspire, that will educate and encourage you to take action in building stronger relationships, to be more human, in the way you lead your life and
0: lead those around you. My name is Matt, and my purpose is to inspire and energize others through connection to reach their full potential and impact our world for good.
1: And my name is Mike, uh, and my purpose is uh, to be a trusted pioneer, to help others find their true way of being so that they can know what it is to be fully alive. Dad, good to
0: see you. Well, actually, I mean, not everyone can see us, but I can see you. How are you
1: doing? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks, Matt. Like, yeah, really good. We've just been having a long weekend here in South Africa, and uh, it's really times like these that I really miss you, um, like just those times you pop in, say hi, some of the times we were able to hang out, like it just feels like the hole's bigger a little bit then, but yeah, so just, just been missing you, but but yeah, good good to be connecting with you again today. Uh, and our chance just to yeah share thoughts, and yeah,
0: good be together, yeah, I think it's mm. these are times that I look forward to. I was actually speaking to Anne this weekend and and feeling similar. I spoke to another friend this morning who's also moved to the u k and we were just speaking about how it's it's tough not to be at you know in close quarters with our parents uh and having the opportunity to just pop over, have a meal together. I've said it to you a couple of times. When we do get together, yes, it may be for two weeks or three weeks, but and there's a feeling of expectation in that time to really dive deep and and yeah, you know, there's a, there's an added pressure. So definitely feel that when we when there's a, a distance between us, we miss this opportunity to just get together and connect in a in a meaningful way, but a way that's easy. Yeah.
1: But you know, hey, Matt, like I get it. And, and I feel like a time we want to make it so meaningful. And, you know, some ways I think about it in our business context, like we feel like every meeting must be so meaningful. And we think like, that's the time where we create the connection. But it actually reminds me of the fact that it's the in-between times. It's those little times of just popping in, saying hi, taking something. It's like in the workplace too. It's those times where we just waiting in the boardroom for people to come and we're having some chats or uh, just connecting over coffee or something like that. That's like, I think the real meaningful stuff happens in our lives. Mm, 100%. And it's it's interesting. I think we're going to go here today a little bit,
0: Mm. but maybe just a quick checking question. What do you think is the biggest perk or positive in a post-COVID
1: working world? Biggest perk or positive in a... Sure. It's a very big question to say that what's the biggest? Um, or oh, at least one. I I, I think, you know, um, one of the things that I've got is a, a deepening sense of well-being and what it means to be in a place of well-being. And uh, <laughs> I know we fluctuate and uh, sometimes I feel like I'm out of kilter. And I think that value for me, I took on board many years back, and I know it guides me. But it doesn't mean I'm always getting it right. <laughs> Probably more often than not, not getting it right. But I think just the the value and the importance of that for us. Yeah, I think that's interesting to think about from my perspective.
0: I think you've got so many years of experience in the space and understanding what well being looks like. I would say potentially I'm. It's a, it's a good learning for me, but it's probably a negative where I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what is work, what is home, what is well being, and being able to differentiate that. I think for me, the positive, well, the one positive, there are lots of positives and there are lots of negatives that we can explore. But the positive for me is just the sense of flexibility and owning your sort of schedule. You know, if someone needs something at home uh, or you've got to go to an appointment, historically. You either had to put in leave you had to take some time off but there's this opportunity now and there's this understanding uh from from most people that you know you can have that flexibility so that's really something to be grateful for and something that shaped us through this experience but i think today we want to kind of focus on what does this world look like i i spend a lot of time with our entrepreneurs and our clients speaking about how difficult it is to sometimes lead the people in our span of care of this new generation, millennials, Gen Zs, whatever you want to call them. Um, And there are lots of conversations happening around this. But it seems like we've differentiated these different generations uh, of people and the way that they've shown up to work um, and the way they've been living their lives. And so I thought it would be interesting for us to start to explore are those actual generational differences that people are experiencing? Or, you know, are these just
1: sort of other elements that are playing a role in this? Yeah, you know, I mean, and just as you were doing the check-in question, and I was thinking like you were saying that's one of the things around flexibility, I don't I think that may be true for you and for some really entrepreneurial organizations like you, but I don't think that's true for everybody. And it's 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 a little scary sometimes to think like everybody is saying, what do we need to hold on to? From the from from the COVID lesson and what do we need to let go of from the previous and it's interesting just to see how many are reverting back to the old style uh, because it's what they have known and known how and uh, in in times like we we're still going through crisis I think and I see it in South Africa perhaps more than maybe other parts of the world but every different crisis how you revert back to the known and tried messages and I think that speaks into today's topic. Because I have a view that I'm not sure it's just about generational difference. I think it's about a level of consciousness. And I think it's about those people that have taken on the work of doing the inner work uh, and going on their own inner journey that helps us frame what this looks like. You know, and so um, I want to just maybe reflect on a couple of things that I've learned on my journey and learned from some great thought leaders like Richard Barrett. Um, like Bob Keegan and Lisa Lay in Immunity of Change, uh, where we brought some of that work together, both Richard's work and their work. And I've been speaking about this for quite a number of years um, of these shifts in consciousness and some of the crisis in leadership. But I think today we actually may be really, it's really coming home to roost. And I think for those organizations that have managed to shift and the leaders have shifted, we're seeing a lot more flourishing and the new generations actually really thriving in those spaces. And I'm seeing some of the old really battling because we caught a glimpse of something different that we didn't see before. Yeah. Maybe let me share with you some of that thinking. And um, I think for many of like our parents, like my age, like parents of ours, like we were baby boomers, and maybe even silent generation, like uh, um, Bob and Lisa Lay, right of like, we have, we have some people that are, have got socialized minds, we've got some that have self-altering, and we've got some that have self-transforming minds. And so let me, let me share a little bit about each of those, and then I think we can bring it together about what you are seeing and some of this feeling of Christ or difference that the different generations have. So uh, socialized minds pretty much were concerned with making sure they provided they were just in relationship and connection with people. And self-esteem was really important for them. And so socialized minds almost speaks to two things. One is I actually worked to fund my social life. I was a nine-to-fiver. I came and did my work. But hey, what was more important in my life was belonging to the tennis club or sports club or going out to have drinks with my friends. And like that was, that was the more important thing of life, was socialized. Um, there was another part of socialized lives, minds that they were socialized in a way programmed to say, this is how work is, this business is business, this is what happens. And we just obey what our leaders tell us and get on with it. And we're to suck it up if it was toxic or whatever. Um, the self-authoring minds are interesting because I think those are the minds that have perhaps evolved a little bit to beyond just self-esteem. There's a part of that, but also to being thought, be thinking and Challenging and bringing about change and innovation, and uh, and and sort of trying to create alignment. And now I think if you rewind in most organisations, twenty uh, odd years back, and perhaps mostly of of the last century, um, a lot of um, the way organisations were run is that there were a few people. That made those types of decisions. The strategic thinkers were the people at the top of the organization. The, uh, the thought leaders, the innovators, and the rest that would just get on and do it. And so those typically tended to be your self-authoring minds. What I believe has happened is that over the last couple of decades we have way more self-authoring minds in our world. They've allowed to be self-authoring minds. I think we have a lot more educated people in our world I think uh, technology has enabled it. I I think a shift in consciousness uh, that people say, hey, life is more than just my social life. I want to be involved in work that's challenging, that I can have an opportunity to use my thought and my brain. Um, And and so both for self-authoring minds, work and social life is important. Now, The problem we face in the crisis that Richard writes, Richard Barrett writes of the crisis of leadership in our world today, well, he even spoke of this some probably a decade back already. The crisis of leadership is that it's very difficult for self-authoring minds to lead self-authoring minds Mm. because self-authoring minds means you have the opportunity to bring in different thought and there's debate and there's maybe even ideological conflict but if we need to move on, who's who's got the power? It's the person with the status. And the, they have the veto power to overrule and move on. And that doesn't leave self-authoring minds feeling very good. They don't like to be controlled. And it feels a bit like controlling, which worked maybe when you made mostly socialized minds. And so uh, Bob, Bob and Lisa write of self-transforming minds now, What does that word mean? It means I want to be involved in transformation, in bringing about larger scale change. And it's interesting that self-transforming minds almost give up their social lives. Their cause and their purpose becomes overriding to social their social life. Uh, To the, we can think of some extreme examples, uh, a Mother Teresa and Nelson Mandela. In fact, Nelson Mandela's social life was probably virtually non-existent, and he actually le- left a few failed relationships along the way uh, because his cause and purpose was much bigger uh, than than that. Now, hey, doesn't mean we're all going to go to that extreme, but I think the shift in consciousness means that leaders need to move into work hard in their own journey of of, of their own inner journey towards that place of self-transformation because we need to get out of the way of our young people that are coming through that are self-authoring minds, And we need to move into a way of coaching, mentoring, facilitating, harnessing all these great ideas and coming up with the best collective solution. And I think that's why we find things like collaboration as a value that's much higher order that these leaders embody. And if we think about this big shift in our world of purpose, you know, and that's what those leaders have have evolved to a place of real calling and purpose. Mm. So I know that's quite a lot of explanation, but I just wanted to set that up because your question has led me to wonder if that hasn't become even more acute today. And some of the leaders that are strong, there's more more senior leaders in organizations that have hung on to the self-altering mind space, actually this is where we're getting we're getting this 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 should I say clash but this this thing is like concertinering in and we, we have a framing in our organization the law of the lid and the law of the lid speaks to the fact that um, our people can only go as far as the lead has got but if the lid doesn't get raised people could tend to bump their heads on those lids and if they bump their heads too too many times and gets too painful either they're just going to succumb and go back to obedience or they're going to make choices to move on elsewhere mm. and uh yeah so I'm, i i i yeah
0: i i think this is what we're starting to see so so many good things coming from that and, and just making my mind turn over so so many of the i suppose struggles become so real in the way that you define you know those elements. When I think about self-authoring, I'm working with entrepreneurs every day. I work with a very young team, and I can see these things playing out. You you did mention that there's there's not necessarily a need for everyone to be self-transforming in to the extreme that Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, but what are some of the things that as as an you know i if if i were to look at these three elements or sort of consciousness levels my hope is that i'm moving towards that transforming sort of bucket but i do still feel a strong sense of self authoring my own sort of development and i i do see this uh sort of conflict or t- tension between people in the space of well, whose purpose are we running after? How do I have some of that sort of control or autonomy in my, in my future, especially as a young person, you know, a lot of conversations I'm having with our team is, well, why, why wouldn't I just run my own business one day or be able to hold that relationship and, you know, have control over what my income looks like or my purpose or what the way I want to do things. And so it would be interesting to hear just from your perspective what are some of the thought processes or practices that leaders could potentially do to be moving towards that so, sort of self transforming as well as creating those spaces in the self authoring space to listen to care to grow and then also to have the, make the difficult decisions you know someone has to make the decision and sometimes that decision isn't aligned with what everyone's thinking. So just, you know, thinking about yeah. some of those elements, it would be helpful to hear what you think.
1: Yeah. Well, you you, you prompted my mind on a whole lot of things. So let's go to some of them and then try and hopefully respond to that. Um, Matt, the first thing I I'm, I think also, I see how many young folk want to start their own businesses, or entrepreneurs. I mean, I think in your own business, I think I've seen at least three of your, your talent that you had have gone off and started their own businesses and I'm wondering if that's also that desire to be self-authoring. I want to take control, I don't want to be, you know, some in somebody else's span of care and their leadership, I want to author that and build that so there's this yearning and desire for that and perhaps our world is, is seeing that more. Um, I also don't think we're ever at one sort of place. It's a combination of things. Um, and sometimes I'll be a bit more self altering and self-transforming. I, I also think this is linked to li- our life journey. So Richard Barrett writes of this too, of our physiological, normal physiological development. When you're a youngster, for some, like you, hey, I know how important your purpose is. And I know how much you want to make an impact in the world. But for now, your stronger lens is likely to be building your self-authoring space and challenge and building your story, uh, learning what business is about and all of that. And so I think that that, uh, if you think about our practices for me, and we'll talk about this on another podcast, um, for w- why, why, yeah, well, me. I'll, I'll come back to that now in a moment, but. Um, for me, it's it's me getting beyond my fears, understanding what they are, letting go of them, becoming confident in who I am, getting to a point of recognizing my unique gifts and what I bring to the world so that I can go further to really deepen that purpose. Now, for some, maybe I just want to find my gifts and keep delivering them. For others, maybe I want to go way further than that and say, how is this? how am I going to really live this purpose and my very being? Is part of that. But Richard said, like that, that happens over the decades of our lives, you know. And so in your 30s and uh, in your 40s, you're going through that questioning of who am I? Why am I showing up in this world? And, you know, and then in our 40s, we start getting, ah, oh, wow, this is me and this is what I can give. But by then, you've also built a good foundation in your life. Like you've built what uh, you built your, your, your sort of confidence in your career. You've hopefully got to a place. Uh, where you can, can be beyond the fears that have driven us sometimes. And then in your 50s, it's like, Hey, what I'm going to be starting to leave behind? Like, Hey, I've actually got no more ladder to really climb here, but what's the legacy I want to leave? Mm-hmm. And, and so, so, so I think, I think it's part of when you ask what practices is also part of allowing life to do its work and allowing that to emerge as you go in life. My, my question I come to, based on your question, is why did some people not go there? And my sense is that our traditional way of management locked a lot of people into being socialized minds. And they could not see, and they did not know how to get out of that. It doesn't mean it was good for them, and they even wanted it, but it was the only way they knew how. And so they got stuck, and and they got... and. And we had we had often a fear based way of leadership, which kept people stuck in their fears instead of unleashing the positive in people and their strengths and encouraging that to grow. And that's what it, it's going to take of of self transformational leaders to help unlock.
0: Mm. Yeah. So you know we could go into so much detail about this topic, and I think we'll keep exploring it over the coming coming months, but. You know, I think that really reflects and resonates with me that this may not be a sense of generational changes, but rather just this level of consciousness. Now, the one thing that continues to come to my mind is, are we expected to all be moving towards a space of self-authoring lives and self-transformation? Um, there's a lot of you know, as a young person, I'm looking at purpose. I'm looking at my values. I'm looking at how I can show up best in this world. But then there's this constant pull back to what I would think is just our usual organizational structures and the need for these socializing minds where the focus is getting the work done. And so that there's not this constant tension between so many, uh, you know, self-authoring leaders and, and people and maybe a follow-up question is how do we as leaders ensure that those people have a space um and we encourage them to to live out their gifts and talents too
1: yeah great question <clears throat> and matt like so one of the things is i I think we've had this innate need we've all had this innate need to want that and why are youngsters like you and and hey we we hear this often like all the folks say like oh the young people they like already want to purpose-driven meaning and work that's meaningful to them is much more important than it was for older folk. I don't think it was. I don't think older folk had the opportunity even, whereas you guys have had see the opportunity and, uh, and and see the possibility in that, but, but then come back to the question. So don't we just need people who need to be workers and like, and I, I, I think it's, I think consciousness is that there will be some that will be that. But I believe this, that the way we led managed organizations in the past, we got a sickness called learned helplessness. And those socialized minds were just told what to do, how to do it, when to do it every day. And that was part of the socialization, which which left them not being able to think for themselves and you you know this as managers we get frustrated because like oh couldn't somebody see that it was so obvious why didn't they fix that like well no they were never allowed to and we didn't even give them the permission to do that so we kept them prisoners of that and so my thought is this that that we want we want to have leaders that equip everybody to be problem solvers can you imagine if the people on our front lines of our organizations, the people doing that work directly with customers and uh, and and production, whatever, can be problem solvers and don't have to go to those so-called self-altering minds to solve their problems. And uh, we can unlock so much more energy and meaning and people will feel more valuable in that. Maybe they don't have to go to become self-transforming minds, but just the energy we can create by by leading in that way. And that's what I think is that self-authoring, when we were locked in self-authoring minds, that was also the only way we knew how to manage like mass. And now we're in this world where we're realizing actually we can unlock so much more.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think just closing out on this on this topic is as you speak, self-authoring for me is very much you're the author of your own future And it's very individualistic, but there's a sense when you speak about leadership and what we need to do is how do we fulfill and build the potential of others around us? And that, you know, building a purpose, even moving to the self-transformationals, what is the cause that we are behind and how do we have people step into that alongside us? Because we know that the impact as a group is way bigger and better than if we were just on this journey together.
1: Yeah, but, and, you know, you've just un- unlocked another thought as we as we do close out this, that um, the downside of socialized minds is victimhood, mm. and self-authorizing minds is actually saying, hey, I'm taking responsibility for my life uh, and for others, but I'm going to move out of being a victim, mm. um, and that's what a great thing for leaders to be doing is to help people take responsibility for their lives, and actually, if you think about it, that's the that's the job of parenting, uh, is to help equip our our kids to think for themselves, to solve their problems, to show up as great citizens and take responsibility for their lives. Mm. And yet we didn't run our organizations like that.
0: Sure. Wow. Such a great correlation. As we close out, Dad, thanks so much for just sharing so much of your wisdom and your knowledge around this. I think it leaves us with so much to think about as as leaders, as young leaders, about how we equip our people to think, uh, to problem solve, uh, to be aligned with a, a bigger purpose and mission. So, thanks for sharing. Looking forward to our next time together, and we'll chat soon.
1: Hey, thanks, Matt. Yeah, and uh, you can hear I'm passionate about this, like uh, and this this work. So, yeah, let's just keep talking and exploring how we can do this better. Thanks for tuning in and listening to The Matches Podcast. We hope
0: you continue to encourage, inspire and nurture those in your span of care.